off. Uh, welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we treat all things Cosmos and starting to extend beyond the Cosmos ecosystem as the Cosmos is encompassing more and more ecosystems and projects. And uh, today we got Diva Protocol, a derivatives protocol. So welcome to the space to the club. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's just uh, kick it off right away and just uh, talk about what is Diva Protocol and why do people need to pay attention here? Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Yeah, so um, my name is Lat. I'm the co-founder of Diva, Diva Protocol. And yeah, Diva Protocol is the first truly universal and flexible smart contract-based operating system uh, for derivatives. So basically... Um, Users can create and settle fully customizable derivative products peer-to-peer. And our goal is to disrupt the traditional way of creating and managing derivative products, which typically relies on central intermediaries like banks and comes with like the typical risks like counterparty risk and entry barriers and also uh, negatively impacts liquidity because the systems are not uh, communicating with each other, typically. Yeah, and um, maybe uh, put it a bit more into words, like how maybe a bit a use case is uh, useful for people to sort of wrap their head around. Like what could, derivatives can be so many yeah. things, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, what could a use case... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe I, I give a, a short uh, kind of like introduction or uh, definition of, <laughs> of a derivative. And then I can uh, mention one concrete use case that we are currently working on. So a derivative is basically a contract between two parties that specifies under which conditions uh, or payments shall occur. So you typically have an event, say the Bitcoin price at some future point in time, and the payoff profile that is linked to the outcome of the event. And... Um, so example products that fall into this category are insurance, prediction markets, traditional call put options, structured products, credit default swaps, sports bets, political bets. So all of these things that all have a different name follow this core kind of like logic, right? And um, this is what Diva protocol uh implements at the end and uh, allows to create a wide range of derivative products on top. So one uh, product that, or w- one thing that we are currently working on are conditional donations, um, which are basically like insurance um, where the donor would deposit funds and they get unlocked if a certain metric triggers let's say if a metric that measures drought falls below a certain threshold and it's it's basically the same concept as insurance but you as a donor you wouldn't charge a premium uh to the one that would receive the other side so we're currently exploring uh, a pilot campaign with farmers in kenya that suffer from climate change and drought and yeah hoping to assist them with financial uh, support if, like, drought occurs. Nice. And you mentioned also liquidity being an issue 
for this market to really take off, uh, take off in uh, in DeFi. Um, perhaps uh, speak more to that. I think most people in here they would know about liquidity pools, AMMs, like all these different things, adding liquidity. But how would that work in a uh, derivatives world? Uh, or how do you see it at least? Working? Yes. So the liquidity that I was uh, previously referring to was more related to uh, the traditional world, where the systems where derivatives are issued are typically in, happen in isolated systems. So if you say buy a structured product with a with a bank, you can typically sell it only to that bank, right? Although you might get a better price at uh, at some other bank. So. Uh, that's what I was referring to uh, be- previously when I talked about liquidity. But yeah, I can I'm happy to give my perspective on liquidity in the relative space. I think um, here we have to distinguish between two types of liquidity. So one is the primary liquidity, and the second one is the secondary liquidity. So with primary liquidity, I mean, if I want to say engage in a bet, okay, with some someone. I would deposit money, the other party would deposit money, and both of us get kind of like these contingent claims in return, right? So that's the first kind of like trade in a derivative contract. And then we wait until the contract expires and the payout or the outcome is determined and the payouts occur. So here in a bet, yes, you might want to trade in between, but typically you would kind of like sit it out and wait until kind of like the, the outcome is known and then you you, um, you claim your payout. So in that case, you especially if it's more like, like um, exotic type of derivatives, you might not have a secondary market, right? It's also the case in, in traditional finance for structured products, for instance, where you mm-hmm. typically buy that product uh, with the goal to hold it for one or one and a half years uh, to earn a yield, right? And um, you typically, I mean, rarely mm. trade it in between. And then there's this secondary uh, liquidity, which I think uh, most often kind of like evolves for more standardized type of products, right? Let's Let's say, I don't know, you have like a derivative product with a linear payoff on the BTC USD price where you would expect a lot of people wanting to buy it. So um, I like to think <laughs> about liquidity uh, in kind of like these two uh, kind of like pillars. Makes sense. Makes sense. And how, how would that look like just to perhaps paint a picture? How would that look like in a adapt uh, I think again back to my AMM mm-hmm. example or liquidity pool example like will it be sort of like people providing liquidity tokens or is it more like the different offers bits that is being made mm-hmm. uh, that sort of makes up an order book style mm-hmm. kind of uh, exchange or yeah how, how does it look really yeah. uh, as in a US use interface uh, yeah so Diva protocol is uh, only allows uh, the creation and the settlement of these products. And mm-hmm. the trading part can be implemented via any trading infrastructure. So it can be an AMM like Uniswap. It can also be a decentralized uh, limit order book like ZeroX protocol. Or you can also trade, trade these uh, position tokens. And this is how we refer to them. Uh, on centralized exchanges because 
their ERC20 and yeah, basically can be integrated everywhere. Um, hmm. I mean, you, you have the full flexibility what what you want to do, but we believe, and that's also what we implemented in the Diva app that we built, we believe that AMMs do not really work for derivatives because you have like multiple dimensions that you have to take into account for pricing. And yeah, AMMs are somewhat limited in that respect. And with a limit order type of order book, you can basically yeah, determine the price based on the inputs that you, that you need. And you, you basically have the full flexibility. Hmm. And also, I think historically, I uh, derivative protocols that had an AMM type of uh, how to say, a trading feature integrated that they didn't perform well. So most often liquidity was um, subsidized with token incentives. And yeah, I mean, it may work for uh, some time, but yeah, I think in the end, LPs will just lose out. Hmm. I see. So uh, you listed a few uh, use cases that you guys are sort of looking into. So, for example, credit link products, as you would call it, which I think, again, people can relate to with all these different lending and borrowing markets in DeFi um, with interest rates and interest rate uh, or interest bearing tokens. Sometimes some protocols are issuing. Um, then you have issue, uh, insurance link products uh, where you can insure yourself. I think, again, some people can uh, relate. There's different dApps out there that uh, that are also sort of insuring different things in DeFi. Um, you got conditional donations, you got sports betting. So there's all these different use cases, yeah. really. So, so what are you guys uh, sort of focused on and what are you working on to, uh, because you can't do all, everything at once, I'm assuming at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think um, we will start uh, with conditional donations because there we have a concrete pilot program upcoming. And I also think it's beneficial for the whole crypto space to show people that are not in crypto what this technology enables right so it can have a positive impact on society and the second thing with conditional donations is that you don't have like um these regulations that you have to follow right it's more like uh, relaxed from that perspective um but I would say conditional donations more like a niche case, right? And wouldn't probably scale <laughs> a lot uh, over time. So the one area where we see a lot of uh, volume are structured products. So similar to what Ribbon Finance is doing, where they basically create uh, some strategies, derivative strategies and sell it on the market, kind of like wall strategies. So this is where we see a lot of volume and uh, would like to work with traditional banks on proof of concepts where we introduce this technology and test it maybe with uh, some of, of the clients. So these are kind of like, yeah, two big ones that we want to focus on. Um, there, There's another category of products that I'm uh, super excited about because it basically allows fully trustless uh, derivative products. Uh, so one example is, I don't know, um, under collateralized lending protocols, 
right? There, there mm-hmm. are a few. So you could, um, so in under collateralist lending protocols, you basically, the lender takes the risk that the borrower might not repay, right? So he might have mm-hmm. a natural interest to hedge themselves with derivative right. products. And now if the data is on chain, you can leverage that. So you don't need an Oracle to pass it from the off-chain world to the on-chain world, but you can just grab it from that protocol and use it as your underlying metric. This is one, one type of product, but there's also like other interest rate um, protocols like IPOR protocol, for instance, which calculate um, the risk-free DeFi rate on-chain which you can also use and as the underlying. I think these are really, really interesting use cases um, that I'm particularly excited about. <laughs> nice, nice. Why, why are you so excited about this? Just to get a sense of uh, you're much deeper into this, yeah. I think, than the average person in DeFi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the thing is, um, is the Oracle. So in Diva Protocol is Oracle agnostic, meaning the creator basically defines the the address that is supposed to report the outcome right so it can be like you and i or it can be a smart contract that is equipped with some logic to pull the price from somewhere like a decentralized oracle solution chain link or tele protocol right but all these solutions basically assume that i don't know there is someone who takes the data off chain reports it on chain there's maybe some dispute period right that uh, you have to kind of like um yeah wait for until this value is pushed so you still have some oracle risk if you take off chain data and put it on chain and with these uh on chain protocols that i mentioned under collateralist lending or interest rate protocols this data lives on chain already so the, you don't need any oracle that would push the value uh, for mm. settlement. And you, you can just trigger a function which would just pull, say, the amount repaid in the under collateralized right. lo- uh, lending protocol or the current interest rate, right? And then, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the holy grail of oracles if everything is on-chain. Nice. And that's, uh, yeah, so that prevents you from... Uh like something like flash loan attacks or similar types of attacks in the derivatives markets. Is that, is that correctly understood or? Yeah. Flash loan attacks. I mean, you still might need to take into account when working with on-chain data, right? I mean, you could theoretically also use the current price of a Uniswap pool. Um, but there you would, you would have the risk that someone kind of like shortly before expiration manip- manipulates the price. So, um it's it's more about kind of like the the risk of false reporting um if if you if you use oracles that basically report off your right. data that's that's the main risk that you kind of like get rid of makes sense and where are you in the process right now so if i am correctly understanding that you have a testnet that has been tested with uh thousands of users or thousands of wallets uh, already but uh, but yeah uh, where are you in the process and uh, how can people try try things out if they want to play around with either testnet or mainnet yeah exactly 
Yeah, I mean, the protocol is almost done. So we will start uh, the audits uh, probably mid-March with mainnet deployment shortly after. And while building uh, the protocol, we also started building like uh, a first application on top, which we refer to as the Diva app, um, which basically allows you to kind of like uh, test all the functionality. So you can create a derivative product, you can trade it, you can settle it, you can claim your payout. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, we had uh, an incentivized testnet in Q3 where we invited users to test out or explore the functionality of the Diva app. And yeah, and in return, the uh, the testnet users would receive a claim on the Diva token that will also launch uh, together uh, with the mainnet. And yeah, I mean, it has attracted so many users. We, <laughs> we were completely overwhelmed. So we started with 800 Discord members. And by the end of the test net, which lasted for two and a half uh, months, we had like <laughs> 36,000 users in our Discord, which was like <laughs> without nice. any marketing. It was really just this announcement. And yeah, it was super, super helpful, I have to say. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want, if people want to try, try out the app, uh, they can access it under app.diva.finance and they can get some test assets, um, in our discord in the register channel. So they get some fake, uh, USD tokens that they can use to kind of like create markets and, um, yeah. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> and perhaps get rewarded uh, if they do well. Yeah, but yeah. Something uh, about the adoption and, and traction that you see already, I think that really, that really speaks to uh, to the derivatives market being such a large behemoth that people don't really think about or mm-hmm. perhaps know about. I mean, uh, you have a nice little graph or a sort of comparison that you have in uh, in one of your presentations where you look at crypto, which is about a trillion dollars in market cap collectively. Okay. We, we tend to be very much into the eco-chamber of crypto and think the whole world is surrounded with the crypto assets, but not really, because if you compare it to other asset classes like gold, as you do, it's $11 trillion, so uh, an 11x factor from, from the entire crypto market cap. If you look at global debt, you go up to $250 trillion, so that's a 250x. And then the whole derivatives market right now, and it's probably even bigger since you since you did this slide, it's $500 trillion compared to $1 trillion in crypto. So this is just a massive underlying market that is really the, the bedrock in many ways of the financial system. So if you are really serious about DeFi, new financial system, yada, yada, we have to get this right. I mean, this has to be built out. The rails have to be built. Um, and that's also why we wanted to talk to you, actually. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, the market opportunity to... is huge. I mean, and I think in crypto, the derivative space in crypto is still very, very small. So I, I read mm. read numbers on Twitter late, uh, recently where it, where it was like 220 million TVL so far. Uh, across like uh, 42 option protocols 
and I mean, I, I would say it's still tiny, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me look. I'm looking at DeFi Lama right now. So we are below fifty billion dollars uh, in total value locked. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, compare that again to the derivatives market, right? It's yeah. it's peanuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's peanuts. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I mean, it it obviously needs uh, quite a bit of work on the UI side mm. because I mean, derivatives is not an easy, easy kind of like product for many to digest right <laughs> for some it's even intimidating because people associate derivatives with professional traders but hmm. i think it's on the one hand to improve uh, ui and on the other hand is also to show kind of like other use cases like conditional donations that people can easily understand or insurance or i don't know trading Football player cards. I don't know, <laughs> something yeah. like that. That's the beauty of derivatives, right? It, it, it can really be anything. It can be like, anything. Uh, only yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Only your imagination says to limit. Yeah. Really <laughs> beautiful. So, um, so yeah, tell us a bit about uh, how you guys can, because you're not the only ones doing derivatives uh, markets yeah. and uh, protocols uh, in the space. Uh, so you are obviously. I mean, in order to compare, it's, it's a bit difficult because you're not you're not really live yet. Uh, but there are other players, yeah. obviously, working on this. Uh, uh, Open, I think that's how you pronounce yeah. it. I actually never pronounced the name. I used the pro- the, the DAP, but I, <laughs> I never pronounced it. Uh, said it out loud. And then you got Augur, of course, the first. Exactly. I believe the first ICO ever on Ethereum. Yeah. Um, so it got a lot of attention for that. The prediction market. Um, <laughs> So so yeah, how how do you guys uh, see yourself and compare yourself to 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 those two and perhaps others? Yeah, I th- I think the uh, main differentiating factor is the high customization of Diva protocol. So if you take Augur, right, you may have any underlying event or many uh, any event as your underlying. Say I don't know, Trump will be will win the election, yes or no, or I don't know, Team A. Uh, will win the match, yes or no. Uh, but the payouts are typically just binary. So it's all or nothing, right? And um, so you have the limitation on the payoff side. And for option protocols like Open, um, you typically have a limitation in the choice of the underlying. So um, there it needs to be like a pair that is native to Ethereum. So you couldn't use... Um, like a weather index that is calculated from satellite data to measure drought, right? So you can only use, like, say, if USDC pair as your underlying. And right. also on the payoff profile side, it's typical just a plain vanilla uh, pool or call type of payout, right? So, and what we a Diva protocol offer is basically flexibility in both. So you can choose any underlying um, and the payoff is highly customizable. So you can you can select the binary type of payoff and uh, would basically have something very similar that Augur or Polymarket offers. But you can also model uh, linear uh, payoffs in a predefined range or you can combine linear and binary components and have like structured type, uh, structured product type of payoffs. So yeah, that's kind of like uh, the main 
one of the main differentiating factors uh, of Tiva protocol. Nice. And one of the community questions that I can already see popping up again and again, and something <laughs> that we also talked about off air, is um, none of these are currently, if according to my research at least, uh, is, is planning to go bridge over to Cosmos. So I think a question that has to be asked, uh, perhaps as early as now, is are you guys considering moving over to uh, Cosmos? We talked about just for, uh, so everybody knows, we talked about FMOS and other sort of EVM-compatible uh, Cosmos chains, uh, making it more and more easy for for dApps in Ethereum, EVM-compatible dApps, um, to bridge over to Cosmos. So the tech is definitely being built out. Um, so is that something that you guys are considering? Why Why not? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thanks for the question. So, I mean, our goal is to make this this piece of infrastructure that we have developed to as many people or available to as many people as possible, which also includes deploying it on as many EVM-compatible chains as possible. And so we will start with Ethereum, Polygon, uh, Arbitrum, Gnosis. But uh, yeah, I mean, if on Cosmos there are EVM-compatible chains, I mean, that's just one setting we have to change in the deploy script, and then it's it's there. So yeah, I mean, we're completely open um, in terms of deployment of uh, of Tiva protocol because in the end we we pursue a platform approach so we actually want people to build applications on it because the platform the protocol will benefit because there's a small fee charged on redemption so yeah that's kind of like part of the whole strategy <laughs> and that's um, I think that's in a nutshell uh, something that a lot of projects protocols steps call it whatever you want that's the journey that they will see uh, and if they don't take that exactly. path uh, i don't think they will see much adoption in the in both in the short term and in the long term really um and also one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you because i think it's very interesting to see how the whole ecosystem crypto is changing from hey are you on ethereum are you on solana are you on cosmos and then sort of treating it as siloed gardens, yeah, kind exactly. of. Like we don't talk to each other. If you fall into that garden, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you because I'm in that. I'm in this silo over here. But now, more and more, you see, obviously in Cosmos, we talk about IBC, um, where chains can connect to each other. Um, we uh, we see chains like FMOS and others mm. who are connecting to other ecosystems like uh, EVM compatible chains. We see composable finance in the in Cosmos, which, which is making it easier to integrate with the entire other, other ecosystems like Polkadot, Near, and other ecosystems. Polkadot, by the way, historically has been like the uh, the enemy number one for for the Cosmos guys. <laughs> um, but uh, I think more and more, even people in Cosmos, uh, in my experience, is starting to come to the realization that in order for us to really succeed in what we are trying to accomplish, whatever we a building, whether it's a DEX, a lending and borrowing protocol, derivatives exchange, you name it, we have to make it interoperable. So it doesn't really matter if you start from Ethereum and pass over to Cosmos or the other way around, or an entire other ecosystem. What matters is the user experience. Is it easy for, for people to use? Because then and only then will we get mass adoption, which I think 
all of us wants. Exactly. No, I mean, I, I see it the same way. The uh, <laughs> the crypto space, uh, yeah, will be multi-chain, right? And um, yeah, I mean, we we kind of like uh, try to deploy Devo protocol on most chains ourselves because if you, if you don't, someone else will, right? We will open source Ziva protocol, and then you have exactly. and then you have cases like pancake swap popping up on the chain where Uniswap I don't know <laughs> didn't want to deploy on right, and then you have all these discussions uh, and governance votes uh, ongoing where to deploy, and I mean, in the end, it's just uh, kind of like storage, right? What all these blockchain say, yeah. uh, sell which come at different uh, trade-offs. Some are more secure, but slower. Some are faster, but maybe less secure, right? And why not kind of like give, give the end user the opportunity to choose kind of like this, this trade-off themselves, right? So that's kind of like my view on, <laughs> on these type of discussions. Definitely, definitely, man. A lot of people is also asking about security, how you guys are making sure that the security is top notch and the people people won't get rocked or you know the funds won't get stolen from a hacker or whatever might happen to a protocol, right? So yeah. how do you guys treat security? Yeah, so first, obviously, is to follow best practices uh, when um, yeah, coding this, uh, developing the smart contracts. And the second is um, to do audits. So we plan to do audits with two different firms uh, in March. And yeah, just to make sure that they're experts looking at the contracts to, I don't know, to find something that we might have overlooked. So these are the two things that you can do as a, smart contract developer and yeah i mean there's still no 100% guarantee <laughs> that it might not get hacked but i mean at least you have a higher confidence as a user if you kind of like have like experts having looked at it yeah i mean if the nsa can get hacked anything can get hacked <laughs> yeah so, uh, exactly exactly <laughs> nothing is 100 percent. exactly and i mean we will have a disclaimer in our docs and i would also urge users to kind of like not start going like with huge amounts but first try out we will have versions on on testnet so before going on mainnet you can also play around on testnet to see how it works and yeah i mean <laughs> there is no hundred percent guarantee for anything in life. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. And let us know if you, uh, if you look, you say you are looking into two auditors. I don't know if you locked them down already, but one of the sponsors on the Cosmos Club is Buckbases, mm -hmm. which is uh, they're known for having this sort of uh, scan that where you can scan your wallet, uh, just like Revoke Cash. I think it's pretty big, mm -hmm. also. Um, but what they did, sort of extending that functionality they also scraped uh, audits mm -hmm. from various different auditors like certic and all that stuff mm -hmm. and sort of giving a security scan which is pretty cool like you can sort of scan your wallet and then see okay which ones have been hacked and which one has been audited mm -hmm. uh, of all the dApps that you connected to 
Um, and then they have uh, they started doing uh, their own audits uh, shortly after that uh, functionality being built. So yeah, let us know. Uh, we can uh, put you in touch with Blockbases if you if you need an auditor. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's let let's connect and. Uh... Yeah, we can do that afterwards. We just want to mention that like uh, they uh, they are great guys. Uh, we respect them a lot, and they they're really here to help the ecosystem. Like uh, they, uh, the story is actually quite interesting. They they had uh, all these different people contacting them because they got wrecked and you know st- phone uh, funds stolen from wallets and all stuff. And they just got sick and tired of it and built this uh, sort of functionality where people can sort of front run <laughs> almost scammers, you know, yeah. from. Taking uh, taking uh, funds from people's wallets uh, by doing the scan. So uh, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Nice, really. but nice. Um, but talk to us about the uh, Diva token. I think uh, a lot of people is uh, getting more and more curious. Perhaps also after this space. So what is the token? Why do you need a token in the first place? Yeah. And uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned before, the protocol is generating fees, right? So now. Um, the Diva to- with the Diva token, you can basically vote for an entity or a person or like a delegate, how we call it, who will get access to these fees and with that uh, fund or drive adoption of the, pro- of the protocol. Um, so, yeah, the Diva token basically acts like a voting token and in order to vote, you would basically lock in uh, your Diva tokens towards the delegate's address. Now, with that, you basically have like a central element, right? Um, which kind of like gives you like efficiency, right? Uh, more flexibility. Um, uh, but you, yeah, you, it comes w- with its own risks if you have like a central party involved. So what we also did is we implemented a mechanism where you as a Diva token holder, you can remove your support if you are unhappy with uh, the delegate's job and you can uh, lock in your tokens for someone else, for another candidate. And in the worst case, the delegate, the current one, will lose access to the fees or yeah, will be basically voted out by that decentralized process and a new owner will get access or will get elected as the new delegate and get access to the protocol fees and will continue. So what we try to do with the Diva token is, yeah, basically building a mechanism that allows for efficient and effective uh, governance. And yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. And by the way, that's uh, where we also invite you with welcoming arms uh, to come to the Cosmos ecosystem where you can allow for governance. Like Governance is at an all-time high uh, for Cosmos chains, which is pretty awesome to see, actually. Uh, but also for staking, of course. Uh, easy staking and, and validators running uh, your protocol. But uh, let that be a uh, warm invitation <laughs> to come over at some point. Perfect. <laughs> I'll take your offer. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us about uh, what people can build on the diva protocol uh, i know you have a launch program uh, so uh, so yeah is that something where you are bringing in developers to build on top yeah so actually this launch program um it's more about 
sponsoring some of the audit costs um, in return for so, so if you're an institution and you want to signal your support for decentralized technologies, right? So you could kind of like use this opportunity to sponsor some of the costs to get recognition and also uh, Diva tokens, which give you governance, right? And the protocol. So that's, that's what this launch uh, program is about. In terms of products, I mean, there's really like, uh, as you said before, the sky's the limit. So you can build literally anything you can also create markets on tokens that do not yet exist for instance so everyone is ex- expecting the arbitrum token right you could already create a market mm. a, a derivative product on the i don't know the trading price in two or three years today and start trading it <laughs> right I, I mean just one one interesting example that does not yet exist so um yeah (laughs) makes sense makes sense yeah and i mean these things take various different forms Uh, time will tell right it's uh, very difficult to predict especially in this market when you can make so many different types of derivatives i mean who knows (laughs) what will be what will be most attractive and gets the most traction in the beginning right i guess we just we just follow the 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 interest really and see which which ones is in the highest demand exactly exactly <laughs> makes sense makes sense i mean the time where people are sitting in an ivory tower and deciding which which dapps or which applications which derivatives should be uh, getting adoption is so yes right we yes. are decentralized <laughs> yeah and that's what's what is so exciting about the space you basically open up uh ho- the whole financial system, right? For everyone. Obviously, you have to learn how to interact with that, how to build applications on that. But it significantly lowers the hurdle to build this kind of application. Like imagine you want to build a structured product uh, platform today. Imagine how many, I don't know, what you would need to do in order to connect your traditional financial infrastructure in order to enable such a platform yeah. and here you have like like an operating system like windows right <laughs> that yeah. you can connect to and build your uh, platform without asking anyone to uh, for allowance so it's i think it's super powerful yeah yeah and i mean to be honest i think people sometimes are a bit too like eager to get this going like we the financial system TradFi has been built over centuries, right? Yes. Since, I don't know, the 12th century uh, when the Italians started trading and creating the modern day financial system. And we want to reinvent that entire thing uh, in the span of, what, 15 years? And we're, we're getting impatient already. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this this will take time. It's infrastructure, <laughs> infrastructure takes time. If you want to do it right, at least, uh, it takes time to build a road. It takes time to build an entire new type of financial yes. system. So, um, so yeah, I think patience is a virtue, really, for people in crypto. Exactly. And that's, I mean, um, often it's also just trial and error, right? You try out something yeah. and, I mean, if it doesn't work, you try to improve and make it better. And I also have the feeling that we are repeating a lot of mistakes that 
the traditional financial system has already done, right? <laughs> We're just repeating mm-hmm. them over, over again. But I mean, that's just part of the learning process, right? Most of you mean with the with the scammers like SPF and all the grifters that we are flushing out <laughs> uh, in this bear market now. Yeah, yeah. For instance, <laughs> it's yeah. just. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the the generation that is in crypto is pretty young, right? I mean, like, they haven't went through all the crisis in traditional finance, so I feel it's like yeah, like a natural learning process and which will just make us stronger uh, in the long run. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to follow, for sure. Uh, for all of us, I think. God bless us that uh, we will come out on top. I really hope. I mean, Blockchain is such a powerful technology. Yes. Um, it, it can really, it can really make the internet what it was supposed to be. It, the internet wasn't supposed to be a handful of typically American companies just, you know, grabbing all the data that is there in the world to grab mm-hmm. and become more and more powerful. The internet was supposed to be, you know, free and open for people to use. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I think that's why most people got into blockchain and crypto in the first place but uh, unfortunately like in any industry there's some bad apples which are going to be grifters and scammers and fraudsters um, and it will happen again I'm sure it will, <laughs> I mean, there will be new ones coming up uh, I'm sure at some point <laughs> I think problems uh, will be solved over time I think that was just, that was just the case also with the internet right when it started you had all these credit card scams I mean nowadays you hardly hear about credit card scams yeah. right so technologies yeah. and solutions improve over time and I'm also confident that this will happen in crypto as well yeah Human- faith in humanity is, <laughs> exactly. uh, is at risk here <laughs> alright man you have been uh, super uh, 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 gracious and grateful great- we're grateful for your time here is there something just on the last note and last question is there something you want to leave the community with is there something we should look forward to anything on the roadmap that you want to highlight Uh, yeah yeah i think the next big milestone for us is the launch on mainnet and i mean you can follow us on twitter uh, you can f- uh, join our discord in order to not miss it and we are also planning um, a second phase uh, of an incentivized testnet before we go uh, we go live um, where you get an opportunity to try out an app that we built and in return get a claim on the diva token and with that governance power when the whole system goes live so yeah just follow us and uh, <laughs> definitely man and where should people follow you just uh, for anyone who does like someone would listen to this on Spotify and all that stuff not on Twitter so uh, where should people follow you to uh, to stay in touch uh, so, so so you mean the Twitter handle Twitter yeah. handle whatever you guys prefer yeah I think Twitter handle we share most of our updates on Twitter as well it's at and then diva protocol in one word underscore io and this is where most alpha about diva is coming out i guess exactly we also have a website where we publish a blog post but typically if you follow us on twitter you will be notified about any new blog posts that we publish fantastic 
Thank you so much for coming on today and speaking with us. It, this has been great. And uh, we really look forward to seeing you here in Cosmos. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And yeah, excited to learn more about Cosmos. <laughs> Definitely. I think, honestly, I think Ethereum, I, I used to be a big Ethereum guy. I used to be very deep into the Ethereum ecosystem. But uh, yeah, obviously uh, took the Cosmos pill and uh, went all in on Cosmos now. Um, but I think the, the two ecosystems, honestly, they are bound to uh, interconnect in so many different ways. And uh, we'll only start seeing it more and more. So yeah, if you start on Ethereum, which you guys are doing, it's only a matter of time before we see you in Cosmos, I think. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. All right. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, take care. Godspeed. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Ciao.